0: Today, uh, we're here Christmas morning. So, Merry Christmas. And today, uh, we're actually gonna kinda navigate the message a little bit differently than normal. Uh, We're gonna kind of, we're gonna divide it into kind of two. So we're gonna call this Christmas Morning Part One. And one of the things we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a couple different Christmas stories. Because we want to kind of look at something uh, in the Christmas story that I, my hope, my hope is that it'll help us as we engage the Christmas story, as we live into the Christmas story today. And so I want to start by looking at the Christmas story as it, as it appears in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter one, says this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was her husband and faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, "'Joseph, son of David,' with us. So this morning I want to play a little bit with that word, that name. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so in part 1, in Christmas morning part 1, I want to look at Emmanuel God. Because in Jesus, I think one of the problems we can run into is we we have a tendency, I think, to reduce god to reduce down to just something small that we can control it's easier that way i think we could merry christmas we brought lights um <laughs> all right um you want to figure out what that is okay so we are gonna quick try to figure out what is going on with the alarm system. It's exactly how we had it planned, so uh, you know, why, why not? Alright, so. All right, now it's just now it just feels extra Christmassy in here, right? Like we got like blinky lights, we got this is this is fantastic. So, (laughs) oh, and well done. Can we give a round of applause to whoever shut that down? Yes. (laughs) So, okay, where were we? Right, Emmanuel, God. So I, I I do think that that's crazy that that just happened, but I do think we have the tendency. In our minds, when we, when we try to think of something bigger than we can comprehend, to shrink something down, because if we shrink something down, in a way we can kind of control it, right? We could reduce God down to the Ricky Bobby eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. But one of the things about the message of Christmas is it's Emmanuel God. And so part one, I want to step back and look at that first And what I want to do is I want to jump to the other Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read a section of Luke chapter 2 and pay attention to the response of some of the very first people who are are made aware of the coming of this baby Jesus, Emmanuel. So Luke chapter 2, we read this. In those days... But the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger.' Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, "'Glory to God in the highest heaven.' And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So did you, did you catch the response? The very first group of people who are told that Jesus, that the God is coming into the world in a child, what was their response? Uh, Let's put the verse up. It's the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Uh, The angel says to them, do not be afraid. So the first Christmas, the first proclamation that, that Jesus is going to be born and the response of those first shepherds, those first people to hear the proclamation is fear. They're terrified. And what happens is as we study the scriptures, as we, as we work our way through the scriptures, what we find is time and again when people encounter the bigness of who God is. When they see God in all of his glory, what we find or even if they see a messenger of God, what we see is time and again we see the same response. If we pull the next verse up on the screen, it's what Greg shared with us yesterday from the Easter story. So Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and then it says after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. It's almost like in angel school, like the very first thing they teach you is like, okay, people are going to freak out. Start with the do not be afraid piece, right? Because the birth story gets announced to shepherds. They're terrified. The resurrection story, the angel comes down, the guards shake and are terrified and become like dead men. The first announcement to Mary and Mary is do not be afraid. And then if we back up into the Old Testament, to even some of the prominent people in our Old Testament, the people we look to as kind of pillars of the faith, what we find is time and again we see the same sort of response. Let's go to the next one. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has kind of his calling, his kind of commissioning as a prophet. And Isaiah has this experience where he encounters the bigness, the glory of God. And Isaiah's response says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Woe to me, I am ruined. We go to Job. Job says this. Job experiences God, and he answers, I am unworthy. How can I even reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I've spoken once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I say no more. I am unworthy. Then if we go to the next one, to Moses. Moses has this experience with God on Mount Sinai, and uh, this is uh, the burning bush. But it says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Time and again through the scriptures, people that we look to as pillars of the faith, they have an experience where they experience the bigness of who God is. And they're terrified because God is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. Part one, Emmanuel God, because one of the things that is true about today, one of the things about the Christmas story is it causes us to step back and to to consider, it causes us to step back and to realize what is real, that our world is not simply a mechanistic chain of cause and effect where things just happen randomly for no reason at all, but that we live in a world that was created by one who is so much bigger than we could ever possibly imagine. That at the beginning, God imagined everything that is, and he simply spoke it into being through breath, through words. That Christmas is a reminder, Emmanuel, God. There is a God who is so much bigger. And I think what happens is when we stop and when we reflect on the greatness of who God is, I think it does something in us. It spurs us to kind of, to to enter a place of kind of wonder. Have you ever stood, have you ever stood kind of on the beach overlooking the ocean? And you have this moment where you're just looking at the, just how big it is. And you just have this moment where you feel so small in light of it all or a moment where you've stood on top of a mountain and you've looked over this this unbelievable landscape or you've you've laid uh you've laid at night in the in the summer because it'd be way too cold now but you stare at the sky and you just see all of the stars and just how big the entire thing is it reminds me of a quote by one of my favorite authors a guy by the name of Abraham Joshua Heschel uh Abraham Joshua Heschel says this our goal should be to live life in radical amazement, to get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is, is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual, he says, is to be amazed. Then he has one of my favorite quotes. He says, never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame, but I asked for wonder, and he gave it to me. The message of Christmas is to step into the wonder of it all, the wonder of a a God who is the biggest we could ever even think of who God is. God is even bigger there's one more story if we go back to the story of Revelation chapter one, I want to show you uh, Revelation chapter one. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, revelation is a vision, a revelation given to John. Who is John? Well, John is one of the disciples. John is somebody who will call himself the one Jesus loves John would spend three years following Jesus. If anybody knew Jesus, it was John, and John has this vision, this revelation of Jesus, and not like the human Jesus that he followed for three years, but this is like the post-resurrected, ascended, like Jesus in all of his glory. And take a look at the way John uh, D- John describes it. He says, "I turned around." to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, he sees Jesus, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters." In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead." Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the very keys of death and Hades. John, the one who knew Jesus better than anyone, John has that experience with the one whom he'd followed. And John says, When I've seen you in all of your glory, how can I ever even expect to live? The, the first Emmanuel, God, Christmas Part 1. What I want us to do is, in just a moment, uh, the band is going to come back up and we're going to sing another song. But as we sing, I I want you to, as we sing the words of this Christmas song, to 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 quote Abraham Joshua Heschel, to ask God to give you wonder. That as we sing a song about a baby who was born, to sing it knowing that it's this baby... Is God himself, the one who is with God at the very beginning, who breathed all things into being that were Christmas. Christmas, in part one, is a story of Emmanuel, God. As we sing the words, may we be filled with the wonder of the entire thing. And now, Christmas morning part two. It's, the whole idea has to be hard for God, doesn't it? If you think about it, if you step into God's shoes, it has to be tough for God, doesn't it? Every time you try to show up to people, what is their response? Like, they start falling over themselves, terrified. Like, it has to be, God, God even sends his messengers, his angels, which are lesser than him, and the angels show up. Even, like, this is a message of, like, good news, of great joy, and you send messengers, and people start freaking out, assuming they're they're dead, right? It's got to be tough for God if you put yourself in God's shoes. Especially if you look at how God understands, like, how who God is, how God even would describe himself. If we look at the way Jesus describes God, we read this. In Luke 11, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give you a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, Jesus, when he's talking about who God is, says, God identifies, God is. God looks at us as his children. That Jesus says, you think of even the, the most perfect parent, the love of the most perfect parent pales in comparison to the love that God has for you, for us, for His people, whom He looks at as His children. Can you imagine how hard it has to be to, to be a parent looking at His kids, and if He even sends a messenger, they start freaking out and are terrified can you imagine uh, those of you that have kids or aunts uncles to kids if you walk into a room and they are just terrified of you brett can you imagine uh, you walk into the room and your kids are like my eyes have seen the glory of brett like how now can i expect to live right but this is this is the story god shows up and it's my eyes how can i i i i can't how many of you, uh, how many of you have had like a family member, a niece, a nephew, a grandkid who's who's either been like afraid of you or like plays the game where they pretend they're afraid of you? Anybody ever have this? So uh, we have a, a niece, and my my niece for what like two years has kind of played this game where every time I show up, like she acts like she's terrified, which I get, like I'm really big and intimidating, right? But so uh, so for like two years, it was every time I'd show up anywhere, she would just act. Terrified. Has, has anybody... This is not just my experience. Has anybody else had this? So, okay, so as uncle, my niece is terrified. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you, you don't kind of puff yourself up and make yourself bigger and drop your voice. right? You, no, you don't do that. We all know you don't do that. So what do you do? Well, in a lot of ways, what you do is you kind of make yourself smaller and you kind of enter their world, right? You, you look at what they're playing with and are so you end up kind of, you make yourself smaller and you take up their doll and now you help, you help do the hair, right? I have no idea how to do hair and you find yourself doing the hair of a doll or, or they're playing with a ball and so you kind of make yourself smaller and, and you interact with the ball or, or they're watching something on TV and so what you don't do is show up and be like, what is this garbage? Like put the football game on, right? Like, no, you kind of make yourself smaller. You enter their world and you engage in the things they're engaging with as a way of showing them you don't have to be afraid. Right? I'm actually here because I care, because I love you. This is the story of Christmas, of a God who every time God shows up, God sends messengers, and his people are terrified. So what does God do? Well, God, as a perfect parent, God looks at his people, his children, and what God does is he makes himself smaller, and he enters their world in a way they can actually see him and understand him and in a way that they can then encounter him and know what he's really like. It's the second part of it, right? Emmanuel, God with us. A God who's made himself smaller and entered into the world of his children so that we may actually know who God is is it's it's what paul says in a letter he writes to a church in philippi a letter we know as philippians in chapter 2 paul says this uh, paul's telling us to imitate christ but in the what are we to imitate paul says in relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage rather He made himself nothing. He made himself smaller by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That Emmanuel, God with us, God made himself small. And God came to us in a way that we could see him, that we could come to know him, that we could understand him, in a way that we could we could know that we don't have to be afraid. Because God, as this perfect parent, loves us more than we could ever possibly imagine. So Christmas morning, part one, Emmanuel, God, is that this is a story of a God who is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And Christmas morning, part two, Emmanuel, God with us. The, the message of Christmas is about a story of a God who is more personal and closer and intimate than we could ever know in coming as one of us to show us who God really is. And it's in those moments, I think, when we step back and we when we hold it together, That the message is is the God who created everything come here as one of us to show us that God looks at us like a perfect parent looks at their child, that we're able then to step back and see the wonder, not just in the giant, yes, the wonder in the giant, and the standing on the shore looking at the ocean and standing on a mountaintop and viewing the stars. But we also see that that God is ever-present even in just the smallest parts. Because as a parent myself this Christmas, I know that I I care about the big moments in my kids' lives. But I also care about all the small things in between. That Jesus himself would say that that he came to give us life and to give it to the fullest. Life in all of it. Uh, Some of you, you have Christmas presents. You have Christmas parties coming up. And you have opportunities where you've bought things and you know you're excited to see the look on your kids or your grandkids or your nephew or your nieces or your friend, to see the look of wonder and amazement in the eyes of a child. Because it's one of the gifts that our kids give us, isn't it, that kids give us, is they don't hide that stuff well. They open a present that they're excited about and the wonder and the awe and the amazement is all over them. I think one of the invitations of Christmas is to step into that wonder, to step into that amazement at the entire story of a God who is bigger than we could imagine, who's come to us. And when we step back, we are able to recognize that all of it, the entire thing, is gift. It brings me back to our quote from my author, Abraham Joshua Heschel. I want to read it again, that our goal should be to live life in radical amazement, at the large and the big and the complexity and in the smallest of details. To get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. Never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power, or fame, but I ask God for wonder, and he gave it to me. As we continue in Christmas, as you go off from this morning into whatever else this day or this week holds, may those words resonate within us. May we ask God for wonder, for eyes that see the, the, the magic in all of it. And the bigness of who God is and the smallest detail, the the bigness of God and the personalness personalness of God, knowing that in Jesus, we get to celebrate that God came here to show us who God really is. Uh, So in a moment, we're going to sing a song. And again, I want to invite us to ask God for that, to ask God for wonder, to open our eyes to the wonder, to the amazement in all of it. And before we do, would you pray with me? God, we come this morning grateful. Grateful for this story, this Christmas story, about how you, the one who is bigger than we could ever comprehend, bigger than we could ever imagine, that you, the one who spoke Worlds into being that you made yourself small and you entered into the very world you created all because you love us so much that you would stop at nothing to show us to to not just tell us but to show us in the person, in the life of Jesus, how great and how deep and how big and how wide your love is for each and every one of us. God, as we contemplate that message, that story this Christmas, God, may we be filled with the wonder of it all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.